वेलकम बैक टू मिड डे मैडर्स आई एम दर्शन महाराजा योर फ्रेंडली होस्ट एट सागर नाइन सिक्सटी एम एंड एज यूजल ऑन फ्राइडे एट थ्री पी एम आई एम जॉइंट बाई एम पी पी खालिद रशीद हु इज ऑल्सो द डेप्यूटी विप फॉर दंटेर यू प्रोग्रेसिव कंजर्वेटिव पार्टी एट क्वींस पार्क एंड टूडे वी ऑल्सो हैव द लवली मिस नातालिया कुसनडोवा एम पी पी फॉर मिस सागर सेंटर जॉइनिंग एस बिकॉज वी आर गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट हेल्थ केयर वेलकम मिस्टर रशीद एंड मिस कुसनडो Thank you so much for having us. A pl- pleasure, and it's always a pleasure to have you guys here. And um, Mr. Rashid is, of course, very gracious and um, fields all the questions, <laughs> which is one thing that I always like about uh, politician when you ask them a question and they sidestep the question. It insults my intelligence, and you don't do that, so I respect you for that. Oh, thank you very much for that <laughs> comment. I really appreciate that. Now we are going to talk about healthcare, and it is, of course, a burning issue, province-wide, basically. Although in Brampton, our uh, sensitivities are heightened on that. What's happening on the healthcare front, Natalia? Well, uh, as some of you may know, I'm a registered nurse. I still work in the front lines of our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I work in the emergency room, so mm-hmm. it's really front line. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely get the pulse of what's happening in our healthcare system, mm-hmm. uh, right from the patients to the healthcare providers to the physicians, mm-hmm. everyone involved. And you know, I have to be honest with you when I say I'm super excited about our healthcare transformation because mm-hmm. we can sense that there is something brewing in the air, and there is a, a change in attitude, and there is a change in what's happening in the front lines. Uh, so from my own personal experience i can tell you that uh right now we are treating less patients in the hallway mm-hmm. um you know prior to this transformation mm-hmm. um every single time i went into the hospital i would be the hallway nurse treating mm-hmm. patients in the hallway now mm-hmm. yes it's still happening mm-hmm. but it's much less in volume just mm-hmm. based on my own experience but mm-hmm. even talking to to my colleagues to the registered nurses they they they're liking what uh, they like what we're doing uh you know with our bill 74 the people's healthcare act mm-hmm. we basically uh scrapped the lin system which which wasn't effective it wasn't working mm-hmm. uh for for those of you who don't know lens is the local integrated health networks right. and uh it was uh, basically many levels of bureaucracy which made our healthcare system um not equitable because people were not getting the same uh, uh treatment based on their geographical location mm-hmm. but now with our healthcare transformation and the introduction of ontario health teams which are in development we're changing that and we're making our healthcare system more accessible more equitable uh but also we're transforming the way we deliver healthcare in ontario putting more money into the front lines rather mm-hmm. than in, into the bureaucracy mm-hmm. now i'll give you my view as a layman i'm not a health professional and in fact light years away from that field but my understanding as a lay person and uh, especially as it relates to the problem that we have in the province of ontario is that we are loading everything onto the hospital instead of segregating the patient population for example there are identifiable groups like seniors children so if there are more facilities that are um, uh, specifically dedicated to one or the other group then we are reducing the load on the main hospital that is one in brampton we have a uh, brampton civic which uh, you know the uh, er was built for 200 patients a day they are seeing anything between 400 to 500 patients a day again having that facility scattered through the region will reduce the load on that hospital now this is as a layman what do you say as a professional so you really tackled the issue right on the spot oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> because you know unfortunately under, under the previous administration for 15 years uh the liberals did not fund a single long term care bed and what happened is because there wasn't no funding attached um uh, we have right now in ontario 32000 patients and se- mostly seniors mm-hmm. waiting for a long term care bed mm-hmm. meaning that they're actually uh, being 
in our hospitals instead as uh, alternate level of care patients taking up acute care beds mm -hmm. when they could be better taken care of and cheaper, to be honest, mm -hmm. in a long-term care facility. Mm -hmm. So this has created this bottleneck in mm -hmm. our system that you're speaking of because seniors uh, should be taken care of in long-term care facilities or in retirement homes. And that's why we have this domino effect of, of this bottleneck happening in our in our acute care facilities, in right. our hospitals. But furthermore, which I would like to add, is uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, we, our government has committed to funding mental health. This year alone, we're investing $174 million dollars, mm -hmm. uh, into developing a provincial mental health strategy. Mm -hmm. And overall, we're investing $1.9 billion dollars over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And this is a historical investment because I see it in the emergency room all the time. We mm -hmm. see patients coming in with mental health issues. Right. This is becoming more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. right? So if we fund this uh, in the community and mm -hmm. outside of the hospital and we mm -hmm. help people get the care they need mm -hmm. before they get to the level where they need to go to the emergency room, mm -hmm. well, guess what? Our tax uh, dollars are being spent better mm -hmm. and people are getting the care they need mm -hmm. where they need it and mm -hmm. when they need it. Mm -hmm. And this will, again, reduce that bottleneck or that domino effect mm -hmm. in our emergency rooms. Exactly. Now, I have two things to say. One is a suggestion and the other is a question. Um, I had my physical recently. and uh, You're looking good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm waiting for my doctor to say that. That's a medical you're a nurse, so, yeah, You're a nurse, so I'll take your word at, at face value. But uh, it struck me, we had this recent unfortunate case, very sad case in, uh, in York region where a young boy who had some mental issues and ended up killing his family. And it struck me that just as we have a yearly physical, just as we have a yearly physical checkup, why don't we devise a system to have a yearly mental checkup? It's an important part of our health. And nobody has thought about it. So maybe you can take it back and uh, discuss with uh, Miss Elliot and see where this goes. That is part one. Part two, which is a question, is... Um, you know, I'm talking about the seamless integration of policy between various levels of government here. Immigration policy is fixed by federal government, largely. And uh, the foundational premise there is that Canada's population is aging, therefore we need immigrants. But for that aging population, you need healthcare facilities also. A person is more likely to need healthcare facilities at 75 than at 25. Now, that integration, how do you bring it about? So I'll answer your first question and maybe I'll uh, get Khalid to answer your second sure. question. Mm -hmm. because, and uh, so in terms of the mental health checkup, mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea. And, you know, mm -hmm. in fact, when we go in for a physical to our family mm -hmm. uh, doctor, they are supposed to also sort of inquire and, and look out for any risk factors associated with mental health. You know, as a nurse in the emergency room, when patients are coming in to me for uh, physical issues, I always have that mental health, mm -hmm. you know, aspect in the back of my mind. And I, if I see any risks or any red flags, I do mention it to my physician colleagues if there's something that they should actually follow up on. But when it comes to um, um, ch child and youth mental health, um, I have a little surprise for you, uh, and it, there will be an announcement coming up on Tuesday. Okay. So stay tuned. Uh, it's uh, specific to child and youth mental health, mm -hmm. and we're going to have our minister coming in, um, Minister Elliott, to mm -hmm. Mississauga. And so it's a very exciting announcement. So mm -hmm. there is something in the air. There's something happening. So stay tuned, and you'll hear more on Tuesday. Right, but if I may, uh, for a minute, uh, you said that the physician can look into mental health issues. Are they qualified to do that? 
Oh, family physicians, absolutely. They're trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not psychiatrists, but they're mm-hmm. definitely trained, just like nurses are trained right. uh, in the basic assessment mm-hmm. of uh, risk factors and, right. and identifying um, mental health issues in a person. Right. Because what you are looking for at that time is some possible indication that an expert may be required. So a family physician is capable of doing that. Exactly. And it's also about asking the right questions right. And, and, and the follow-up. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, a family physician can make those referrals to, mm-hmm. to psychiatry or to social supports or whatever mm-hmm. that person may need. Mm-hmm. So, uh, actually, uh, Darshan, to add to what Natalia is saying, um, mm-hmm. our government is investing about $1.9 billion in mental health care. Over 10 years. Uh, over 10 years, mm-hmm. and which is uh, a significant investment because we do see the need uh, as we progress uh, throughout the years that there is definitely a huge need for for mental health investment Mm -hmm. now uh, coming back to your second point Mm -hmm. uh, about the healthcare system Mm -hmm. uh, I think you and I had a a very side chat conversation Mm -hmm. about uh, my own uh, personal experience about our our healthcare system Yes. yes You see, the thing is, right now, as Natalia mentioned, that there are roughly about 32,000, 33,000 individuals, our seniors, Mm -hmm. uh, who have given so much to this country, who have invested their their time, money, their lives, because because they have been paying taxes, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, They need, they deserve the best treatment possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, as a government, healthcare is... The, the largest <coughs> expense mm-hmm. in, in our uh, you know in our books mm-hmm. the second is the education mm-hmm. and the third uh, is the interest payment right I look at interest oh, payment oh it kills me don't uh, yeah. bring it up please <laughs> interest payment itself is a ministry it, that I, I always talk it about blows right? my <laughs> mind. it blows yeah. my mind so what we are doing is that right away when we uh, during our our election a campaign we promised that we're going to have uh, 15,000 long-term care beds available just in the first year mm-hmm. we have almost crossed the half mark mm-hmm. and why we are investing heavily into long-term care bed because we know that the baby boomers are retiring mm-hmm. now when you connect the the health care mm-hmm. there's another part that mm-hmm. I'm sure you must have heard about is the dental care program yes because Oral health mm-hmm. is extremely important. Yes, uh, a lot of time uh, diseases and yes. uh, issues come through the oral health. Yes. So we are trying to handle uh, the oral uh, health s- uh, dental situation mm-hmm. much earlier by asking our respected seniors to come and visit mm-hmm. the dentist, so that you know right. it's uh, one thing that we can mm-hmm. make sure that our seniors are not in the hospital due to. The, the oral right. health issues. Right. Now, what we are trying to do is that we are we're saying that let's get our seniors who are currently in the hospital waiting mm-hmm. for the long-term care bed to come out of the hospital and go into the long-term care bed right. so that there are more beds are available. Yes. So that's our, our program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been working aggressively, but yet we are in continuing to invest money in our healthcare system. All right. Now, this $1.9 billion over 10 years is a good thing. I'm happy about that. However, $1.9 billion over 10 years is $190 million a year on average. The population of Ontario being between 17 to 18 million. 
individuals, you are looking at about $10 a year per person or less than a dollar a month. Now, can I'm sure some work has gone into arriving at this 1.9 billion. Yes. In fact, a lot of work. How does it square with this amount that seems so small, less than a dollar a month? So what we didn't mention is that uh, this is actually being uh, matched by the federal government. So another mm. $1.9 billion is coming okay. from the federal government for okay. a total of 3.8. Okay, so you are up to $2 a month. Well, it's $2 person. more than we had before. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, Darshan, what um, the people of this province, mm -hmm. um, they, they have to understand is that we are now doing everything possible. Hmm. And you and I spoke about this, that within the means of what yes, we have. Definitely. Uh, look, we, if we had more money, mm -hmm. absolutely, why don't, why won't we invest mm -hmm. into these things? But investing money and make, putting our children, our future mm -hmm. generation mm -hmm. into the risk of this province continue to keep spending money mm -hmm. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. We as a government believe that we have to run this province in a fiscal manner mm -hmm. where we are able to somehow, you know, I always say that right now we are about $13.5 billion in just interest payment. Interest payment, yeah. If you're, just imagine if you are able to reduce it by a billion dollar, mm -hmm. give or take, mm -hmm. that billion dollar is going to go back into the system mm -hmm. and we can invest more money in healthcare, education, and social services, etc. So as a government, we, are, we, we talked about um, the autism mm -hmm. that Previously, it was only $268 million. Now we have over $600 million. Mm -hmm. So what we are trying to do is that we are trying to find efficiencies where possible, mm -hmm. not to just hold back the money, but rather mm -hmm. invest in the right places. But also to add to that, it's mm -hmm. not always about spending more money. It's mm -hmm. how those monies are spent yes. and and is it effective? Mm -hmm. We really need to look at you know the monies that were allocated to previous projects and was that a good return on investment for every single taxpayer dollar? So so we really need to be looking at how it's spent, not simply how much we're spending. Yeah. You just remind me reminded me of the six hundred thousand dollars that was paid for designing the OCS logo. Wow. Which just says OCS, three letters, $600,000 was paid. So you're right. How money is spent is, um, in fact, more important than how much is spent. I mean, we can add billions of dollars into yeah. mental health. But mm -hmm. as Natalia mentioned, and her, she has the expertise because mm -hmm. being a, a nurse herself, yes. mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes uh, one good thing about our current uh colleagues uh, mm -hmm. or our, our team members mm -hmm. is, is the fact that a lot of us come from professional backgrounds. Right. Like she's a nurse, mm -hmm. I come from an IT background, mm -hmm. then we have small business people, mm -hmm. and they we all are collectively putting our brains together right. to f say, you know what, like Natalia mm -hmm. talks about healthcare. Right. Because she understands. Mm -hmm. She's the frontline person. Mm -hmm. So she knows where the wastage is mm -hmm. and how we can stop those wastages. Mm -hmm. And we can continue to invest money, mm -hmm. but let's just find the efficiency mm -hmm. so that more people at the end of the day can benefit out of it. 
Right. But and I've said this before, I don't envy your position or even of the entire government because I'm looking at a total debt load of three hundred and fifty billion dollars yes. with a deficit of anywhere between 12 to 15 billion dollars, depending on who you ask and what yeah. year it is. So if you save one billion dollars on interest, your choice is either to reduce the deficit or spend it on some useful program. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't envy you. It's a very difficult call to make whether to overload future generations. Personally, I believe that that debt is never going to be repaid because $350 billion is uh, simply out in the stratosphere. You are not going to reach it. Uh, yes. At uh, the most, we can make a dent in that. Now, if you start, let us say you are at a deficit of uh, upwards of $10 billion now and uh, you go to a balanced budget. That means you are still not making a dent in that $350 billion because you are spending exactly what you got in revenue. Exactly. So you need to start running surpluses. And right now we are seeing how much opposition there is to any plan being cut because, you know, they are being called services, but uh, you have to really drill down into the details of each and see how far it qualifies to be called a service. And uh, it's just something that um, we like to have as opposed to what we must have. Now, in healthcare, for example, in Brampton, uh, there is a demand for a second hospital. So how do you think it's uh, going to be? made possible? Well, that's a great question. And I actually did some of my uh, internships at Brampton Civic. So mm -hmm. I worked there in the emergency room as a physician navigator. So mm -hmm. that emergency room is very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's true. Uh, the city has outgrown uh, its hospital. Mm -hmm. And I know that with the Peel Memorial site, um, mm -hmm. originally under the previous government, there was some talk of making it into a full-fledged hospital. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I do think that they should have done it uh, back when the, the liberals opened Peel Memorial, that it mm -hmm. should have been a full-fledged hospital. Well, right now... Uh, the, the fiscal restraints that we are in, um, mm -hmm. building a brand new hospital may not be within reach right now for mm -hmm. the city of Brampton. However, I do think that we can look uh, at building better capacity with our system. So mm -hmm. we do have a beautiful Peel Memorial Hospital, which is mm -hmm. functioning as a urgent care clinic or a UCC. Perhaps uh, our government can uh, do a review and, and take a look whether we could expand the services and make it a 24-7 um, center. But also, you know, supporting the local clinics, supporting um, the, the local Peel public health mm -hmm. uh, to see what services can be provided in the community because as you mentioned not everything needs to be treated in the hospital exactly right? So we really need to build that capacity within our system to, to get as many people out of the emergency room. I think there is this uh, need to think outside the box because over the last few decades we have got into a box of thinking that everything needs to be under one roof. Now it works for Walmart because that's a commercial <laughs> operation. It's not a public service. Mm -hmm. Everything under one roof uh, in, in a hospital setting is, uh, seems ill-advised to me. But how about converting Peel Memorial Hospital into a full-fledged hospital? I think that's something that we can certainly review. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the minister will be looking at that possibility. We have to do an, an uh, in-depth analysis at the mm -hmm. services that are available there. I mean, uh, that would also require the, the hospital to be upgraded because, mm -hmm. as you know, in a full-fledged hospital, you have recess center, uh, mm -hmm. you have a trauma center, mm -hmm. and you have other uh, things like, a, right. for example, a cath lab, mm -hmm. which is uh, already provided at Brampton Civic, so they could technically um, ship the patients over. However, it would require additional investment. So uh, so I know it would require an in-depth analysis of, of what's currently being 
being offered and and how much more monies would have to be spent at, uh, at Peel Memorial to upgrade it. But we have the infrastructure there, so we should utilize it. So, uh, so I think that's something that will be reviewed. And also to add to Natalia's point, uh, Darshan, uh, what we have uh, talked earlier about is See, I, I come from a background where we used to consolidate things mm-hmm. in the IT sector, not because uh, it's about saving money, it's about mm-hmm. finding efficiency. Mm-hmm. And when you consolidate things, you make it better, mm-hmm. uh, the process gets much better and better. Mm-hmm. And us consolidating uh, some services like LIN, PSWs, and all mm-hmm. those things is to make it easy because now you will have like one account manager. Right. Previously, in my own grandmother's experience that mm-hmm. I shared with you yes. on a personal level, I, I remember that if I had like three, four hands, all my f- hand, hands would be busy because I had to first call Lynn, then PSW, right. then this and that. Right. Why not just bring everything under one umbrella mm-hmm. and, and make it easy for our uh, pe- residents of this province mm-hmm. so that in case if they need to get hold of someone, they just have to call their one person mm-hmm. who's going to be in my technical technology term is account manager right and he'll manage everything that's right so that's what we are trying to do mm-hmm. but i see peel memorial also being in some kind of a resource constraint because recently they reduced their hours from 10 p.m to 9 p.m i believe i remember covering that story so maybe you want to look into that Yes, definitely. Um, but, you know, uh, hospitals are free-functioning institutions, and mm-hmm. so they receive their funding from the government every year, but it's really up to their own management team to decide mm-hmm. uh, what are the hours of operation, what kind of services uh, they are they are providing to, to their residents. Okay, here is my take on it. If they are getting taxpayer funds, they have to be accountable to the public and via the government. And absolutely, and they are. And in fact, uh, Ontario hospitals cannot report any deficits, uh, so it's illegal yes. for Ontario hospitals to de- uh, report any deficits. Right. So they need to operate within their financial constraints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you so much for dropping in today, Mr. Rashid, Ms. Kusandova, and uh, hope to have you again. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank <laughs> you for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.